choose your pain. Ooh. That was very sad. I really liked it, though. Yeah. That's yeah. really good. What did you think of the episode? I loved it. It was the perfect episode of Murder, Fuck, Kill, Star Trek. <laughs> <laughs> it was Kill, Mary Fuck, Star Trek. Yeah, you're yeah. right. It, it was. <laughs> fuck the Klingon captain. <laughs> <laughs> Kill Ripper. <laughs> Just kidding. It was very good. <laughs> uh, yeah, spoilers. Uh, no, I thought it was so good. Um, I was really concerned when I saw Rain Wilson was an actor in Star Trek, and that was one of the things that kind of got spoiled for me, and... You know, I don't like to be spoiled on things, so I just mm-hmm. don't watch trailers and I stay off the internet for the most part. But um, I saw that Rain Wilson was attached to Star Trek and I was a little bit concerned. And then I saw the preview of him last week, but I was really uh, pleased with his performance. I thought it was really great. Absolutely. So I've been rewatching the animated series of My Stepson, which has been a ton of fun. And Harry Mudd is like a central character of oh, the world in the animated okay. series. He's from the original series proper. Sorry, Veronica's getting over some illness, so she might need to cough. She just separate from Mike. Um, <clears throat> so it had been a controversial idea to have Harry Mudd be in this because his episode in the original series, it can looked at, it hasn't aged well, and it can be seen as very poor taste because it's called Mudd's Women, and he's sort of a not outside of the Federation expatriate kind of thing, so he does unsavory things. Mm-hmm. And one of those is moving people around, and it's sort of implied to be human trafficking, perhaps. Oh, interesting. It's it's kind of presented in the 60s, oh, this scoundrel yeah. type of a way, but... Uh, well, I think that's before people understood how... How truly horrific yes. human trafficking uh-huh. really was. So there's is. Been two components of uh, Harry Mudd in original series and, and original Trek lore. One is the very, very bad human trafficker, and, mm-hmm. and, and that has aged pa- badly, and it's appropriate to recognize it, reconcile it for a, a terrible legacy. But the other one is the whimsical creature maker and guy who does things of creatures, and that's something that's always completely forgotten about his legacy. Is so much fun. Is really cool, and I love that he's the creature maker in this one again. How he's got like a smart ant, and it's up his pocket, and he's always got something like that, like of creatures. That's very cool. I really enjoyed that a lot. Yeah. So I'm I'm so excited that our Harry Mudd, if we ever see more of him, is the is the creature guy. So he's like the animated series Harry Mudd, who's like always doing of creatures, running from Klingons in the animated series, and uh, I, I really thought that was that was very well done. Well, I thought it was really cool. And, you know, of course, I love the idea of the rebel doing just something stupid, a stupid act of love, like buying someone a moon. It's so stupid. Mm-hmm. And I love that. Yeah. Um, yeah, I thought he was a great character. Can we talk real quick about the uh, the Lady Gaga Klingon <laughs> person? So this isn't our Klingon it's confusing because she also had light skin, white armor, red tipped armor. Yeah, different Klingon. Yeah, she's different Klingon. It just it just was a little confusing. This is the I don't, does the other one doesn't have white armor. I don't think. I think she had more of like a silverish looking. Armor. Okay, but like lighter colored <clears throat> armor compared to the Klingons around them, and like red tipped specifically for sure. Yeah, um, that was interesting. She felt like such a next gen female Klingon captain. Yeah, you, you see a bunch of them, and they're just like. And it's also interesting because you know that interspecies relationships happen between humans and Klingons and happen in sometimes unsavory and distrustful situations in this time of war. Well, but I mean, not for like at least a hundred years, right? No, but I mean like there's no 
people having children with the help of geneticists or otherwise until next gen and that's just a, a creature of, of genetic uh, science kind of like Spock with Vulcans uh, the human parent and Vulcan parents so there's no children but there is fucking hu- interspeciesly mm-hmm. even at this era for sure yeah so it's interesting to see how that might have happened kind oh, of like okay you, you think of um I think of but it wouldn't be normal. No, currently, like where we are in the no, series. No, certainly not. Okay, I but the Klingons what you are being saying. depicted as so insanely crazy that it's interesting to see what sort of circumstances it might that happen, or, mm-hmm. or there'd be some interspecies relations. So that was, that was pretty nuts. I truly loved the uh, fidelity that this show has kept to respecting all sentient life. I yes. am really loving that, and I like that. You know. It feels like in Next Gen, like whenever you came across things that you didn't know whether or not they were sentient or, you know, whatever, um, you know, there was like this huge amount of knowledge that they had of all of these things that had happened in the past, which is why they acted the way they did. And I feel like right now in the series, we're at that place where we're still really figuring out what is and isn't and how to respect those things, you know, and I thought that was really great. Um, I really liked Michael's, I guess, being the, the champion for, and the voice of a creature that didn't have a voice. Yeah. I loved that a lot. And I think that that really, um, it really endeared you to Michael in in a way that you weren't before because she does come off as very standoffish Vulcan, you know. So willing to make tough choices. Mm -hmm, For sure. And maybe they're trying to humanize her, but it. It's really nice to see her human. And it was so humanizing side. to Stamets. I think the Lorca kind of was all the characters kind of yeah, got humanized. For sure. I got I one. think you really got to see beyond their rank yeah. this time around. Um even even with Saru as well. I mean, you really got to see through his performance of not just being, you know, upset at being overshadowed by Michael, but you know, where that was coming from and whether that was jealousy or anger or both. Yeah. And he has a really lovely um, a, a lovely dialogue with Michael at the end of the episode that I was really into. And it really helped me um, see them both more clearly. He had so much respect for Philippa. And mm-hmm. that he got stolen from him, the opportunity to work more closely with her. They was looking forward to in the near future. I agree. Yeah. And that's what, I mean, it's so crazy. I, I was really kind of like teary eyed when he was saying that and he got choked up when he was saying it as well. But that's how I feel about my current boss. Like mm. I love to just be in the boardroom with her and to hear her experiences and kind of watch her work and how she makes her decisions. So really understand where he's coming from in that capacity as well. Yeah. Like when you get to that high level of leadership, Really, there's so much to be learned just by being in the same room with that person who's experienced and knows what they're doing. You know, I wrote it down somewhere on the notes. I scribbled some notes for this one, but I wrote that. I'm going to get word for word. First officers recovering captain missions are always frantic love stories, is what mm-hmm. I wrote. And I don't mean romantic or sexual love there, but I just mean like it's a core aspect of who you are in family. For sure. And have that be ripped around. Whenever you have a first officer trying to recover the, the captain, there's nothing more like primal, we have to goddamn do this yeah. sort of thing. I thought of uh, Picard when he's a prisoner of war with the Cardassians. You know, that type of situation. Yes. And like how goddamn stressed they are in that briefing room trying to figure stuff out. It's because it's a frantic love story mm-hmm. after a fashion. 
Yeah, for sure. Well, I mean, because you don't want them to get John McCain'd, you know? Yeah. There was you some just parallels never know to who they're Germany. going to be, you know, with in their cell or whatever. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. When I was a Senate page, one of the things we did, I think it was for, um, uh, I think it was for Memorial Day, but we had to read, we had to read, we got the opportunity to read accounts of everyone's service who was had been a service member who was serving in the Senate, so people that we saw. So I read a lot of explicit accounts of John McCain's time as a POW and, and, his, and his service during war. And we, we did, uh, I'm going to say his name wrong, I think um, he's the senator from Hawaii who has since passed away. Starts mm-hmm. with an I, but he, he lost an arm from, a, I think, a grenade in World War II. Served Japanese-American, served in one of the, the first Japanese Groups came from from an German camp to serve, oh, and like wow. all the stuff there too. So we learned a lot. Of, a lot of people service. John McCain. One of the most stressful things about it was to sort of choose your pain sort of scenario. It was so similar to that, mm-hmm. where it wasn't anything they would do to him, where he's got no choice and consent. But it was the interplay between prisoners that they would yeah. kind of facilitate with him was so destructive. So they gave him so many opportunities to leave, time time again. Maybe it was real. Maybe it wasn't. He doesn't know. They'd say you can leave, and he would say the code of conduct for a prisoner of war is the first in, first out, and you have people who have been here longer than me. You need to afford them to do that first, or I will leave. And they had that nugget of information about his values in mind. Didn't have anything to do with it for about a year. So about a year. He's in a terrible state. Someone new comes in. They give them that opportunity right in front of them. They take it. They leave. And they richly furnished this person's exit just to hurt John McCain. The mm-hmm. soul's prisoners, the theatrics of it was to, was to do that. And that happened to him again and again, actually. Oh, right? really? Yeah, I think so. I think so. I think, I, if I'm remembering that story correctly, um, that that same situation had happened to him several times where mm. um, someone chose to, to take the out and not let yeah. him go or yeah. whatever. But, and I could be misremembering that. But. Sure. But that, it reminded me of that track is uh, about a lot of things. Some One thing it's about sometimes is veterans' issues mm-hmm. and sometimes prisoner of war veterans' issues. And this one kind of explored that with our new Lieutenant Ash. Yeah. Oh, that was interesting, too. It was really interesting. Yeah, I liked uh, I liked their dynamic and I liked how they um, how they got out together yeah. and all that. So it great. was really good. It was, it was always a two-man job. I was just waiting for the right man. Yeah, it was so action-y and I was so into it. I yeah. really loved it. I even loved the um, the chase <clears throat> scene and everything. I was like, oh my gosh, are they going to... Are they, are they actually going to make it, yeah. you know? And I was so worried about them warping out as well or whatever they do, you know, uh-huh. warp So I think the, few, the the captain, I wonder if some of those <coughs> visual similarities, same skin tone, same armor tips. I wonder if she's from the same clan because they kind of talk about the matriarchy of that clan sometimes. I'd be curious to have that explored. Oh, yeah. that's a... She's scarred in her face. So now we can easily identify her. I really love that they did that. I was very, this is the first time that I've really seen non-melee Klingon um, Combat? weaponry. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, I just, I was really like, are they being vaporized or are they like poofing out of... Like transporting somewhere? Yeah, I was just like, are they transporting somewhere? I didn't quite understand until I, I stopped and I asked you. Yeah you know what's happening and you kind of cleared it up for me i I believe vaporized this show 
uh, and I really want to give the show a lot of room to believe and, and trust it and let it tell me rather than me say, well, according to my encyclopedic knowledge of the original series, blah, 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 blah. But the show does play very fast and loose with the timeline of transporter technology. Mm-hmm. The stuff they do with the transporter kind of shouldn't be possible. I have a great headcanon. Uh, my headcanon is that they're a science ship. And so there's a real trade-off in other things. The other ships are just specced differently. So they can't do spectacular things with the transporter all the time because perhaps they're exceptional at, at the, like better warp or better 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 uh, something else that's how i justify it in my head but the things i do with the transporters kind of shouldn't at all be possible where they constantly use it inside the ship without using transporter pads without going to a room oh and i see do that. that but they're i think that they're doing that with the tardigrade type technology, technology with like the sport have. technology yeah perhaps and I'm, I'm very happy i do not want to jump on the gun of mm-hmm. saying this doesn't meet my, my, my small tests because i know track but I, I will say if you were going to play a uh, an area where they're playing very fast and loose with the chronology of the technology mm-hmm. that is one so I don't think they were shooting people to dematerialize them of transport I think they were vaporizing those those folks but. but I think that plays into a real a big strength of Star Trek that Star Wars doesn't have um, in the ability to transport like that and yeah. I think that you know in a time when Trek and Star Wars are both very big and be- very much in the forefront of everyone's minds um, you know, through our through the zeitgeist, right? I mean, they're just out there uh-huh. right now. But um, I think it's important to show the differences in the technologies and kind of how they are. And I think a bit of it from a storyteller perspective is that storytellers of 50 years of exploring the ideas and implications of this technology have been able to use it in more interesting storytelling ways. Yeah. And it, it doesn't follow a neat path uh, uh, if you're going to history it, but I don't think that you need to. I don't think that's that's part of the joy. They're just, these are stand-ins for us to imagine even a more futuristic kind of thing. It's, yeah. it's, a, it's, it's a play in that way. Although I will say, I just got to get out of my system real fast. I know it's not, not very productive, but the one other technology um, canon thing that is that is that is retconning is shuttles because absolutely shuttles were not warping people around Starfleet at this era because mm. it's a really big deal of Spock having a warp capable shuttle in Star Trek One, which is like twenty five years from now, and he's got like these giant things that come onto the shuttle help upgrade it to be warp capable and it's specifically like a warp shuttle and they're very rare and very expensive yeah so that that is the one thing that has that has been obviously very very retconned well and i think too that you know when you're thinking about the original series and all of that as well is that their ability to imagine what the future of technology and how quickly technology moved Mm -hmm. um you know, isn't quite what we would expect from, sure. you know, that, sure. that era as well. Yeah. One of the things that I am disappointed in in this episode is, <laughs> and, you know, far be it for me to, to you know, I guess like throw, <coughs> throw a rock at this because I, I am living in the glass house. I was super upset that they said fuck twice in, in a show, show. That, show that means so much to children. Yes. The show always means a big thing to children. It's for people of all ages. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I was so frustrated with that because, you know, I mean, I have a 10-year-old and... He loves Trek. Yeah, he freaking loves Trek. Yeah. And I don't know if I'm going to be able to show him this episode, you know? You think so? And it's such a good episode, yeah. you know? I was just like, dang, that really sucks. But we'll, we'll mute it. Yeah. Something. I... I don't know. It's one of those things where I don't want him to accidentally, you know, and I also don't want to be like, oh, man, you can't listen to this because then that just encourages it more. But you know what I mean? Okay. So, I don't know. We'll Maybe make a decision we'll on it later. We'll figure it out. But, yeah. yeah. We're always watching them one week ahead of them. To yeah. Kind of 
figure that out. If we I, it was just a little frustrating. For first, sure. openly same-sex relationship without an asterisk attached in a television show, Star Trek. Yeah, it was very good. I mean, I, I know there are a lot of this, that, and the other, and those are all very important. Each one is a milestone. I don't mean to take away from, from that. Uh, it m- meant the world to me uh, as, as a person who grew up in a kind of very repressed Utah place to see Jedzia love her wife or, or, or of the previous host. But this is this is so great to have have had just a, a, without a, a story contrivance trying to make othering it and making it different. It just mm-hmm. happening and being normal and being beautiful. And, and I love them. They're so cute together. Yeah, I like it a lot. I like how there was no indication that they were together beforehand, but yes. they just have a lovely work relationship. It really reminded me of my relationship with you at work. Yeah. Because... I mean, unless you know that my last name is Brady as well at work, you sometimes will not even know that we're married. Yeah, we yeah. We're very professional, and we poke at each other in in professional ways. Sure. You know? So Absolutely. It was yeah. really fun. I really liked that a lot. I thought that the, it was a realistic depiction of... Um, Living and working with someone. Yeah. And an extremely professional Yeah, both being dedicated to an organization uh-huh. and dedicated to one another. And so, and kind of really having to make that strong line in the sand. Like, you know, right now we're not, you know, spouses. We are at work. Sure. So, yeah. yeah. I thought that was great. I thought it was, it was super realistic and I loved it. Um, Stamets is, of course, our scientist. What's our doctor's name? Do you know it? I don't know. Um, it was one of the ones where I was just kind of like, dang it. I, I really want to figure out his I name. I love his hair. I love lot. his hair. You might think it's just a military buzz cut at like a first mm-hmm. blush, but it's it's mm-hmm. like layered in a way. It's very it's very nice. It's very good. I like it a lot. Yeah, he's very um, pretty. He's a very handsome man. <laughs> um, what is with their toothbrushes and why They're are sonic. they all cattywampus? I, I know what they're doing. Discovery takes great pains to sort of tie itself to the legacy of Trek in ways big and small to kind of do, do things to, to a lifelong Trek like me. You can point that out and be like, oh, that's fidelitous to the world. I love it. So Voyager is the one that does this most, but they all kind of do it a little bit kind of talks about how the future bathroom technology, like your shower and everything like that, isn't like a water shower, it's a sonic shower. Do you want me to mute, pause? So you can, no, you're yeah. good. I'm, I'm just, I'm listening to you. Okay. So like, the, it's not like water because they, they're more, there's better of resources. It's like somehow sound when it comes and cleans you. So he literally has a sonic toothbrush. It's just this hokey old school sci-fi thing that they're doing to kind of be a nod to, to that. It's, so it's a sonic hair toothbrush? It's a, Yeah. That is hilarious. Yeah. I love it. Yeah, it's great. I loved it too. So, um, I don't know, this is kind of ties with them being, oh, by the way, by the way, wait, gush about that. The other thing that I'm really loving and digging with Discovery, there's, there's so many things, but one of them is how they parallel their same stories between the Federation and the Klingon Empire. So you see the kind of the same exploration of the same themes mm-hmm. done it. And it's not like in the most Sakami A, B, like even in a, I think a previous episode, I really criticized them being like, these stories seem so divorced from each other. Were they the same thing? On further reflection, I did think they were exploring the same themes, but that it just doesn't have to be so television-y with a bow. It's just like a very human exploration of themes. Yeah. Paralleled between uh, humans and, and Klingons with, with that. And I think it's continued to be very strong. You see it from all angles, which is very track and, and, and very cool. Um, another thing about the timeline I'm not sure if this is how canon this is in proper canon but I think it was an extended universe canon like in fan films and a lot of novels the Klingon war has been explored a lot there 
And one of the harbingers of doom, like the writing on the wall, the war is going badly, is the Klingons have these capital ships, these D7 mm-hmm. battleships. And the D7 battleships are what the Enterprise in original series meets again and again. And that's always a big deal because that's a capital ship that can take on the Enterprise. No problem. Pro- maybe win. Has like a lot of advantages. They're tough. They're fast. They're huge. They're insane. And... Uh, one of the horrible things about this war is that Klingons reach that point of these giant capital ships that can control the galaxy a lot quicker than the Federation does. You notice we're not seeing Constitution-class ships run the show, but we're seeing Klingon D7s run the show. Yeah. So they mentioned the Klingon D7s. We haven't seen a Constitution-class ship. I think that may be following the timeline of that, where the Constitution comes in late in the war, kind of when the Klingons are, are really pressing this advantage of that. Oh, that's very cool. That's interesting to know. So mm-hmm. I, th- I think they made a point of saying it was a D7 and having it be this big, giant, imposing warship. And I, I wonder if we're wa- following that same popular imagination of the war. Well, I think it's really interesting to watch the <clears throat> the progression of the Federation, you know, through a war. Because, we, you know, I mean, you hear about a war and you don't really mm-hmm. see how it is. And so it is kind of cool that they're showing how the technology will progress Totally. Yeah, neat. yeah. I love that the Starbase looked like a, the original series Starbase, and yet yeah. it looks so nice. I, I like the Yorktown depiction in the new Star Trek movies. I like how it's like a city in space that's for people. It's like a Federation base rather than a, a Starbase. But this was like an old school Starbase, like a, a Starfleet one that looks so tossed and so cool at the mm-hmm. same time. I really loved um, Captain Lorca in this episode. Yeah. And I feel like we got to know so much about him. Um,. So I'm trying to catch my breath as I'm speaking. Um, one of the things that I thought was super great about him is that we hear about his eyes like all the time. Oh, yeah. Right? Uh-huh. And so it seems like such a vanity move for him to not get his eyes fixed. Not and, get the cyber implants. Yeah. Like, and, you know, he even makes a like an off-the-cuff comment about like, well, you know, um, it's... I can't remember what he says in another episode, but it gives you the impression that like he wouldn't trust that type of thing. Yeah, or, you know for that sure. like whatever he has is better than you know the the original is better than any implant, right? Uh-huh. But in this one, we learned that um, his eyes are damaged because he has to make the difficult decision to um, escape his ship and explode his own ship yeah. and destroy it with all of his crew on it to prevent his crew from becoming um, prisoners of war to the Klingons and being tortured mm-hmm. to, uh, until death and tortured publicly. And so you see that he had to make just a really horrific decision like do I kill or do I kill? You know, kind of a thing. Uh-huh. And um, <clears throat> and so the... Uh, the light from the explosion actually this caused him. He doesn't look away. Yeah. yeah, he didn't look away, and he keeps his own eyes, and keeps that as his like physical painful reminder of that very hard decision and the um, the souls that he lost that day. So yeah, I thought that was he really even says the titular words, "We all choose our pain." Mm-hmm. With that, like he chooses to have the pain of yeah. looking at the people who whose care was entrusted to him. Yeah, it was a, it was really interesting. I, I don't know. He's such a toss era original series era captain. My ship, my way, um, mm-hmm. type of a thing. And I like that he's so intrinsically motivated. He doesn't <coughs> he doesn't really need to build a story that you have about it. He's very happy to play into your expectations of what you have and play a villain sometimes. Where he's not necessarily being villainous. Mm-hmm. It's such a question of 
the Starfleet thing to do if you're a captain, you're in this prisoner of war situation, is that you choose you as much as possible, right? You try to take as much of that upon yourself as you possibly can to, 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 to protect other people. And that he lets them believe that he's, that they're gonna, he's gonna choose someone else in that moment yeah. without any intention of doing that. Right. Tilly is so great. I love Tilly. She's so great. She's everything that I love about, you know, the reimagining of Star Trek and that you don't have to be perfect. Um, you can just be a person that is dedicated to the mission of Starfleet and that, you know, maybe when they're casting these roles, they don't pick only the skinniest people on the whole fucking planet yeah. to get into a uniform. And I love it. And I think that she looks fabulous in her Starfleet uniform. And I love that there is representation outside of a size zero for women in Starfleet right mm, now. Yeah. I'm loving that. Yeah, she's so great. Mm-hmm. Just really love her. And she's adorable. And I loved her, I loved her, like, let's be friends talk with Michael. <laughs> it was so cute. I loved it. So I've always thought that, and Highly Illogical kind of really explores this direction, that computers are like a very close relationship that he will have with their own computer mm -hmm. and Saru's conversation of his computer kind of confirmed that to me and that's implied because people do logs and the logs mean so much to them and they do that with the computer sort of a thing yeah. but him like having this long conversation with the computer giving it logical parameters to sort of better be a PA to him was interesting I wonder how everyone has like these deep relationships with these uh, artificial intelligences that sort of follow them around that's interesting I wonder <coughs> if there are apps for captain's logs Oh, yeah. I think that would be really interesting to, to do. Absolutely. I love, um, I'm just going through my notes here. I love that Mud talks of his hands so mm. expressively. Because the original series, um, Mud, yeah, he'll totally talk of his hands and be kind of excited about what he's talking about, too. That's very cool. That was very fun. People were worried. I think Rain Wilson, of all people, would be Fidelitas to, to the I, original character. There was some physical affectation that he had that was just like, yeah. Totally, absolutely. That's great. That's tough because so much of the mud source material is sometimes animated, or sometimes if it's not, he's on the ship and he really has to lean into comic relief. So it's maybe not the most um, uniform depiction of a, of a character. Well, what I really but liked about Mud, well. and I don't know any of his background, but what I liked about him is that we got to see someone who isn't, you know. I don't know, worshipy of Starfleet. Yeah. And is really hurt by Starfleet and their mission. And it's really interesting to see that. Um, I was listening to the Treknomics book and how, you know, in the world of Star or er, Star Trek, um, poverty is done and there there's equality in an economy that doesn't have poverty. And I thought that was really great, but it really goes to show that like, you know, you know, replicator be damned, people really hurt when there is war. And even sure. in this time and in this era, war is painful and it is not good. Yeah. So, yeah. You've seen Mud on Trek, by the way. I have. Yeah. You, we've, have, we've seen the Trouble of Tribbles, right? Yes. Okay. He's the dude who brings the Tribble to the space station. Oh. And that's sort of him, like, with all these weird creatures that he always has around him. Okay. Because it's, it's been a little retconned that everyone has and loves and knows Tribbles. But, like, at the time, to the Enterprise crew, 
no one has any idea what the triple is. It's a brand yeah. new sort of a thing, and it's because he's got such um, curiosities kind of okay. around him. So he he causes general mischief. It's an aura of general mischief around him. But he's he, you saw one of his weird creature. These are the two kind of things: icky human trafficking or weird funky creatures that are very mm-hmm. fun and playful. And you saw a fun play, playful creature one. That's cool. What else do you have in your notes? So Daniel? they keep teasing Andorians. But we've never seen a depiction of them. Ugh, I can't but, wait. And it's every episode. It's like they're 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 actively teasing, yeah, teasing the audience An about Andorian that. Andorian tonsillectomy. They're if, really if at this point, teasing we us. We as a species have not evolved out of having gallbladders and tonsils. Like I don't I don't understand what we've been doing this whole time. <laughs> sure. I wrote, God damn it, Lorca, <laughs> at one point. But then I was writing this because he seemed like to be loose lips, sink ships. But I should trust him because he, he always has a plan. He thinks it through. He was talking fast and loose when he first got in this hell to see if they could be trusted. Yeah. And the interrogator parroted back things that they would only have heard from his mouth. Yeah. So uh, I wrote, God damn it, Lorca, but then later I wrote back, all right, Lorca. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, gotcha. Oh, oh, I wrote in all caps. You see that? How excited I was. Klingon spies. Yeah. So what do you what, what do you picture that it means when she's, when he says, your English is great, and she says, thank you, I come from a family of spies? I don't know. I, I just think she comes okay. from a family of spies. But like, what does a Klingon spy mean for you? For how braggadocious, insane, obvious Klingons are? I don't know. I don't know what you're asking me. So... Klingons have this strong culture and everything like that, but they actually have spies that surgically look like the species that they're bedded in and passably follow their culture and everything like that, too. And it's insane because, like, of all the the people that have spies, the the last people you kind of imagine are the Klingons just because they're so out there with their, their culture and so different and everything like that. But they're are these Klingon spies, and I think they're the best spies in the galaxy. I think they are so goddamn good, good at what they do. Interesting. Because they, like, understand the other culture in order to blend in and understand themselves in order to... You say you learn your own language better by learning another language. How true is that for Klingon to, like, learning... Like, how much would you learn about yourself and others by trying oh, to yeah. culturally adapt out of that for a long time in those sort of scary circumstances? So there actually have been Klingon spies. There's always the threat of that. And people, they're so good at playing with expectations of that because you'd never suspect it, right? Yeah. But they really do it. So I'd be so curious to see if we see one. Oh, that's interesting. You saw a Klingon spy, a really good one, like my favorite one, when we saw the Trials and tri- uh, Tribulations, the Deep Space Nine one, where they, uh-huh. they go back to... The trial triples. There's that human merchant dude. Everyone's like, all right, you merchant. That guy's a Klingon spy in that one. Oh, okay. And they're like, how would that guy Klingon? He's like a <laughs> five foot nothing squirrely human who was like really excited about something that like a Klingon would never be. That was that. So it's always really interesting to see that. Yeah. So. Oh, that's interesting. Um, what else we got? I said we need a chief medical officer to act as human, human resources manager on the ship. That's an underappreciated thing that chief medical officers do. So a CM, okay. CMO, chief medical officer, they can relieve the captain of command kind of at their own sole discretion. Sure. And I, I don't mean human resources, I mean it's solving conflicts, but like when there's that question with, with the captain or anything like that, it's just so interesting that we haven't seen a chief medical officer sort of there making sure everything's going okay and everything like that. There's well, a I big void by that, can't... which is interesting. I'm not being critical. I just mean like, 
it's interesting that we don't have one and I want to see the CMO. I'm, I'm wondering if our doctor that we follow, follow and we love, he's going to become the CMO. I wonder if the CMO is just kind of get registered out or something. Maybe, but um, I was just going to say that I don't think that you can introduce a huge ensemble cast this quickly to sure. a well-known franchise without it getting too busy and... yeah. It, it would just be so... It, it would give me anxiety. I agree. Yeah. It's just interesting. They kind of are Sailor Mooning it. Yeah. Where every episode sure. is dedicated to, Hi, I'm I'm Ash. My planet's Jupiter. I like <laughs> lightning bolts. I've got a crush on my senpai. And I make my own sushi. That's what's interesting about me. Next week's going to be Saturn. That's very funny. <laughs> uh, I think that's all i got in my notes. Okay. I'm sorry I couldn't bring more to this... Uh, after Trek uh, podcast, I'm having a lot of trouble speaking and breathing. Oh, Veronica's so. been so sick. It's been yeah. very bad. Uh, uh, I got. I, I have a new office at my work, and we're trekking it out so hard. Yeah. It's going to be great. I'm very so. excited. I've ordered a lot of really fun stuff for you, so be on the lookout on our Twitters. Yeah. We're going to show some really cool stuff. I've been... Absolutely. I've got to have this beautiful, pristine collection of Trek stuff so when a project goes badly sometime by my arch nemesis, I can go, no! And smash it. And have the new person who's just bringing me this fresh perspective on this new project and that we've, we, you know, has helped me rediscover my humanity through it can pick it up and say, you broke your little ships. And then I can move past it. And then you can move past it. Yep. You're so, 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 so silly. <laughs> I love you. I've been, I have big plans to try to 3D print and laser cut um, a wall insert to look like a replicator on top of your bookshelf. Mm. So I'm not sure how I'm going to do this yet, but I am excited to try. So we'll see. It's going to be so great. It's going to be fun. Um, okay, I need to go lie down. Okay, bye guys. Bye. Choose your pain.